Welcome to the Pick and Roll Podcast. Joining me today is the dad joke telling, my bad announcing, cancer solving point guard, Jordan Kress. How's it going, Jordan? It's going great. And I think we, we need to do a better job of just emphasizing we are the Provo Pick and Roll Podcast. Again, all those other Pick and Roll Podcasts out there, please don't sue us. We, we want to be different, but yeah. And, but we also just don't want to get sued. So, yeah. yeah. We do not enjoy being sued. That is a fun fact about us. So please mm-hmm. don't do that. Yeah, in case you didn't know that before. Yep. We're grateful. I'm Brady Hill, by the way, and we are grateful for y'all joining us today. Um, there's been, it's been a pretty wild uh, couple weeks full of um, college football and, and sporting everything. I've been spending a lot of time, if, if other than finals, other than finishing finals, if I wasn't doing that, I was pretty much watching sports uh, the past couple of weeks because it's been pretty entertaining. Um, today's been kind of up and down for me, though, with uh, Texas basketball winning today. They beat Oklahoma State and uh, Cade Cunningham. Have you seen that kid play for Oklahoma State, the freshman? He's the number one overall recruit. Uh, no, I haven't yet. He's silky. That guy's he's going to be really good. He's kind of the consensus, like, number one number one guy he's really good but Texas ended up winning and uh, Greg Brown said two games in a row where he had 17 points and then this game today he had 24 with 14 boards so I was happy about Texas winning but then I heard uh, the Texas third string quarterback Jaquindon Jackson transferred to Utah uh, through the NCAA transfer portal who he was really good he's like 6'2 230 super athletic quarterback guy um, but he transferred to Utah. So not just is he moving from Texas, but he's going to Utah, which means BYU won't be Utah for another four years. So that's Man, not... of all places for him to move to, he had to move to Utah. Yeah. So anyways, it's been an interesting time, uh, especially uh, yesterday with all the college football um college football conference championship games that were just back to back to back. And it was great. Uh, what were your kind of thoughts about this weekend, Jordan? Yeah, no, it was really, it was really fun. Like you said, to have all those games back to back to back and see all those championship games being played. And yeah, it was fun because I feel like with this season, there hasn't been a lot of, um, a lot of these really competitive big matchups leading up to this because there's just been fewer games so it was fun to see kind of these uh, high-caliber teams playing each other. It was, and then it was really interesting to see some of like the rematches that happened, like the Notre Dame-Clemson rematch, and just seeing Notre Dame get stomped on. You know, it's really interesting. And I guess that you know that answers the question: like, did the absence of Trevor Lawrence during their first game really make that much of a difference? And I think, obviously, you can see it did in this last game. So, are you a Notre Dame hater? There was a lot of like he's. I can see your face as we're talking on Zoom for this recording, and there was a lot of happiness when you say Notre Dame got stomped on. You were, like, very satisfied when you said that. I don't know. It's just – it's not that I'm a Notre Dame hater. It's just um, with how these college football playoffs have been shaping up with the teams that are getting in and the teams that are not getting in, it just – it makes me feel – it's just good to see one of these teams, like, just get <laughs> – of obliterated and for me like i think that shows that they don't really huh that's dangerous that's scary you're gonna be like 
I feel like you're gonna you'd be one of those dictators that gets power and you're like, yes, I love seeing others be destroyed. I don't know. It's just like all the all the analysts, maybe it's just all these programs that have the reputation of being good, you know, just from years in the past, like like the Ohio States, the Notre Dames. Um, I feel like a lot of times they get an extra boost because of that reputation instead of just looking at their actual performance on the field which that's that's the part that really kind of frustrates me but we'll 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 talk about that later when we um go into more of the college football playoff selections and everything that happened there uh today actually so but yeah what were your thoughts from the other championship games yeah so like you said the, there's Notre Dame Clemson game Clemson wins 34 to 10 wasn't ever really close it could have been more than that, honestly, but Clemson kind of let the foot off the gas the last quarter. So, yeah, the other, other games that were good, Alabama-Florida, and if you stayed up to watch that one, um, Alabama- That was a high-scoring game. Yeah. That was yes. crazy. Yeah, so much for all that SEC defense, and they're, we're the best defensive conference in the league, and they start running Big 12 offenses, and all of a sudden they can't guard anybody. Um, anyways, Alabama beats Florida 52-46. to 40. 46, and that was pretty close most of the game. Alabama was in mostly in control, but Florida never really, never really gave up and and came really down to. I think they had an onside kick that Alabama had to recover in the last minute to finally put it away. But Florida was uh, valiantly competing with Alabama in in a way that no other team has this season. So that was fun to watch. Um, another game on the docket yesterday was Ohio State Northwestern. Um, Ohio State wins that one 22 to 10 um, and didn't really look very good uh, in that game. I don't know if you had any thoughts about that one. Uh, yeah, I was not impressed with how Ohio State performs because, um, I mean, they really struggled to score in the first half. Um, Northwestern was up 10 to 3 for a while and it looked like it was just going to be kind of that slugfest and that Northwestern was going to be able to edge them out. But um, I think if it wasn't for the performance from Trey Sermon, their running back, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be where they are today, because I think they would have lost that game. Yeah, Trey Sermon had 331 yards, and then the only two touchdowns that were scored from Ohio State. So, um, yeah, I I think if they had to just depend on their performance from Justin Fields and their their other players, they would not have won that game. So, yeah, I think he he averaged. 11.3 yards a carry on 29 carries. Uh, yeah. How, how do you score 20, 22 points and have a running back by himself run for 330 yards and your other, and your quarterback's a high, supposed Heisman Trophy candidate? Like that was. Well, if your quarterback throws two interceptions and has a fumble, that, yeah. that affects it as well. Yeah. So. so. Yeah. He didn't play very well. They, yeah, they were not impressive to me and. I'm all, I already don't support Ohio State, and we'll talk about that. But anyway, so they do win, though. They do get their sixth win of the season, go 6-0 and beat Northwestern. Um, the other game that I was watching a little more intently, because I like the Big 12 more, uh, is the OU-Iowa State game. And OU won 27-21, um, winning their – is it their sixth championship in a row? Their sixth Big 12 championship. I think that's the case, which is sad, but. This seems kind of like the stereotypical for Oklahoma. Like they, they don't perform uh, super well during the regular season, but then they always seem to pull out the Big 12 championship somehow. 
just kind of like yeah. out of their back pocket. Just, oh, yep, yeah, we're going to be Big 12 champions again. Yeah, I wasn't. I was impressed though with Iowa State because after watching them through the season, Iowa State beat Oklahoma earlier in the year. So it's not like Iowa State couldn't have beaten Oklahoma in this game, but I thought Oklahoma had gotten a lot better and they got a few guys back and they did look good and they dominated for the first couple quarters really. Um, but Iowa State fought back and and made it a game at the end um, through an interception. They had the ball in with just a minute or two left. And ended up throwing an interception at, at OU's like ten yard line, and they uh, lose that game. But it was entertaining; it was close. Um, sadly, this is, it's just so frustrating watching this game as a Texas fan because this is a game. Watching those two teams, Texas should be with their talent in that game at least, and should win that game. But anyways, that's we're not talking about them right now. Uh, we're not going to talk about that. The last game that was interesting yesterday was Cincinnati Tulsa. Cincinnati uh, wins on a last-second field goal, 27-24, to to keep their undefeated season alive and claim the American Athletic Conference championship game. And I have to say, um, I, I was impressed with um, how good Tulsa was in that game. I, I was expecting Cincinnati to kind of win a little bit more easily, but Tulsa put up a really good fight, and there's some some players on the Tulsa team that just – really dominated at the line of scrimmage. They had a defensive end who had a blocked field goal and then a, another few key sacks. And so, so yeah. So, yeah, but I, I'm impressed with the American Conference, I guess. They're, they've shown to be uh, pretty good, especially compared to some of the other conferences this year. Looking at you, Pac-12. Looking yeah, at looking at Pac-12 and the Big Ten. Just yeah. saying. There's another team from Ohio that should be going to the college football playoffs. It's not Ohio State. But they won't be because the College Football Playoff Selection Committee made their final decisions today on um, their final rankings. Um, Alabama, of course, comes in at number one. Number two is Clemson. Number three is Ohio State. And number four is Notre Dame. Um, what are your thoughts on that top four? Are you surprised? Um, did they get it right? What are your thoughts on that, Jordan? I mean, I am not surprised. I can't say that I'm surprised because the the college football playoff committee, this is typical of what we've seen from them in the years past. I feel like we shouldn't even call it the college football playoff anymore. It should be called the Alabama Clemson Invitational. Just who wants to come and get creamed by Alabama and Clemson, and we'll we'll just do that. I mean, I mean – We've had some teams that have been able to beat them, like Ohio State won a few years back. But, um, but yeah, the biggest problem that I have actually with the uh, college football playoff teams is Ohio State coming in at number three. I feel like they don't deserve that spot at all. They, um, their resume is not very strong. They only had they, – they technically had three uh, wins against ranked teams this season. Um, but one of them was Penn State, so I don't feel like we should count that at all because Penn State is one in five. I mean, they? they're one in five, right? Yeah. So they have not shaped up to be what they were um, projected in the preseason. Um, and then, yeah, I like I said before, I don't feel like the Big Ten was a strong conference at all this year. I don't feel like there was really any clear good teams that were in the conference. And Ohio State was only able to win six games. They and they didn't have it. 
they didn't play any non-Big Ten teams, so they didn't have a chance to show how good they are compared to any of the other conferences. Whereas um, Cincinnati, which is a team I feel like is very deserving to get into the college football playoff, they, they had a kind of a similar resume with uh, three um, wins against ranked teams. Granted, some of those teams aren't ranked anymore, um, but and they remained undefeated throughout the entire season. And there's also some other teams like that weren't ranked, like UCF, that I feel like is still a pretty reputable uh, win to get. That should have boosted their um, their position a little bit higher than it ended up being at the end of the season. But yeah, I don't know. What were what were your thoughts? Just thinking about Ohio State, since that was kind of our focus right now. Um, it's not just that they didn't really play very many teams that are any good. Northwestern's offense is incompetent. They're a typical Big Ten. They have no idea what they're doing on offense, and they're awful. If they were ha- if they had a halfway decent offense, they would have won that game with all those turnovers and a pretty stout defense. Um, so that's really, they didn't look very impressive in that game. They haven't really looked impressive in any of their games. They only beat Indiana by seven. And there are other games that weren't against good teams, and they, they have never really looked good all season. So for me, the eye test really doesn't even pass, uh, especially when you compare Ohio State to even their previous um, versions of themselves in previous years. They are, they're not as good this year as they have been. Um, but in college football, playing a large amount of games, no matter how good the opponents are, is a difference. It makes a big difference to have that many bye weeks, to recover from injuries, and just to have less opportunity to lose uh, to against, against teams that you shouldn't lose to. Like Florida last week lost to LSU. LSU's awful. Florida was at home. If you're doing this by who should win that game, Florida wins. But that's not what happens in real life and real sports. Sometimes, sometimes Purdue comes and plays Ohio State like they did a couple of years ago and wins 49 to seven, and everyone's like, "What on earth is going on? Purdue stinks." But that's that's how it goes. So if you only play five regular season games, and I don't understand how they would be deserving with their resume to be over a team like Cincinnati or some of these others that we'll discuss in a minute. Um, so, yeah, that's also my biggest problem is with Ohio State. So I agree with that. Um, but at least the college football playoff committee has been, if anything, they've been consistent. They've been consi- they've been uh, precise but not accurate, in my opinion. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's how it's been. And then the number four team in the rankings, um, the last team to make it in, the college football playoff is Notre Dame. Uh, what are your thoughts about Notre Dame being that last team in? I have less of a problem with Notre Dame because because their only loss has come to arguably the best team in the country. You know, it's a toss-up probably between Alabama and Clemson. Um, so I feel like they have more of an argument. Um, however, like you pointed out before, just having two teams that come from the same conference both in the college football playoff just doesn't feel right to me because, I mean, we've already seen what Clemson at full strength is going to do to Notre Dame. Like if they do end up getting matched up again somehow, if they somehow beat Alabama, we just kind of know that they're going to get creamed again probably. So for that purpose, I feel like I would lean towards not including them in the college football playoff, but I do feel like they're more deserving um, than Ohio State. And they're also, I feel like the ACC has been a better conference too. So all the teams that they ended up playing, like the North Carolinas and the Miamis and even like uh, Virginia Tech, I feel like those teams are uh, more oppressive wins 
than um, any of the teams that have come out of the, the Big Ten that Ohio State had to play. So, For sure. I agree with that. I don't know if they ended up playing Miami in the regular season, but they played North Carolina, who yeah. North Carolina doesn't have a very good defense, but their offense is the real deal. Like, they, they got a lot of talent on offense with Mac Brown. Um, and so that was a really impressive win. They did beat Clemson, even though obviously they had several of their top players out and there was a marked difference between what we saw yesterday and what we saw in the double overtime win um, in their previous um, matchup. But they'd still on the, on the schedule, they did get a top win. And even with Clemson back, Clemson's backups are a lot better than Northwestern, uh, in my opinion. So um yeah, they, did, they didn't look good, though, yesterday. They got handled pretty well by Notre Dame – or by Clemson. Um, so if, if you weren't going to put Notre Dame in, who has the biggest gripe? There's kind of four teams – three teams, actually, that have a legitimate argument um, that they should be in. I'm looking at Texas A&M at number five um, with only one loss, which was to Alabama. And then Oklahoma at number six, who won, wins the Big 12. And then Cincinnati at number eight. Yeah, like I mentioned before, I, I would lean towards uh, Cincinnati. I feel like they have the strong argument of being undefeated. You know, that, that has um, – I, I think it should have a bigger arguing um, potential than it actually does. Um, I, I don't feel like Oklahoma at, at a two-loss team really should um, be considered to be in the college football playoff. And as we've mentioned before, it doesn't seem like the Big 12 is as strong of a conference this year with all the teams just kind of beating each other up. Um, I can see the argument that someone would make for Texas A&M, but again, that comes back to the point that you made before about, you know, if they're just going to go in and get creamed by Alabama again, is it really worth even having that as um, – a matchup for the college football semifinal, and I don't think so. So I feel like Cincinnati is the most deserving team uh, to get in. And I would just – and I, part of me is probably biased because I'd just love to see a non-Power 5 team to actually make it into the college football playoff. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think – I agree with all those things that you said. Uh, I think Cincinnati is the team that should be in over Ohio State for reasons we talked about at nauseum. Um, Texas A&M. Texas A&M's good. Uh, I would say they're just as good as Notre Dame and would have just as likely a chance of beating Alabama. But you can't lose your own division in your conference and make the college football playoff uh, with only four teams. So they didn't make it, uh, and they're pretty sour. As I'm in Texas right now, and there's a lot of and there's a lot of aggy uh, uh, sourness towards the committee right now. Um, but they're kind of usually sour about everything because they don't usually actually win anything. They don't actually have a history of winning anything important. So this kind of rings uh, normal for them. They should be in their comfort zone. This is actually a lot better than what they've ever usually done. Um, yeah, so that's about it. The only other thing I was pretty mad about, and this is, I was maybe more mad about this than anything else, is finding out that Florida, after losing – they lost A&M, so they had one loss, and they were at number five. And then they lost last week to LSU, who was awful, at home. And they only dropped down to number seven and bumped Cincinnati to number eight. And then this week, they lose to Alabama, so they have three losses. And they stayed at number seven. And undefeated Cincinnati did not jump 
them, but they were jumped by Oklahoma. So Oklahoma team with two losses and who hasn't really been great. Like they've been obviously good. They won the big 12 and they're, they're good, but not amazing. And a Florida team with three losses and a bad loss to LSU at home is above Cincinnati. Who's been undefeated and mostly dominated their opponents for the entire year. That was my, that was just a slap in the face. Uh, and honestly, it's really hurt my trust in the college football playoff committee because the whole point of, of going away from the BCS and getting to four teams is to eliminate those um, undefeated teams that end up not making the championship game but end up winning their bowl game and going undefeated and then sitting there and like, how come we don't even get a chance to play? And then they're not they're, – this isn't obviously solving that issue completely. And – uh yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. And it's proof that there will be no group of five team in the college football playoff, period. It'll never, ever happen, no matter what, under this scenario. Um, if Cincinnati in this COVID year didn't get a chance, no one's ever going to get a chance. They might as well have their own championship game. You know, I was thinking about it. I think what it would take for a non-Power 5 team to get into the college football playoff, it's going to have to be years down the road we're going to have to have an entire new generation of the college football playoff committee that hopefully they grew up seeing the injustice that the college football playoff committee has done to all the teams in the past. And they will realize that it is, you know, a flawed system and they'll fix it by actually picking teams that, you know, probably deserve to be in. But again, that's probably a long time in the future. So we should start um, kind of brainwashing, brainwashing our youth. Exactly. It's just like, yeah, it's um, all the social reform that's happening right now. We need to have a similar thing for the college football playoff, just like a bunch of unrest, maybe some protests. Yeah. Uh, We'll line outside the uh, um, ESPN studios. I don't know, somewhere where we can get attention and, yeah. call attention to this injustice that is happening. That's a worthy cause, I think. I think I'll so, too. You. I'll support so, you from afar in my head. Yeah, I mean, you'd be on Not the front lines, man. Gotta make a difference. But yeah, but like you said, if if all the circumstances that happened this year don't lead to a non-Power 5 team like Cincinnati, who actually has probably the best resume of any non-Power 5 team that we've seen in the most recent years because they've had some decent wins. But if they don't get in, I don't know if anyone can really get in, which just kind of takes a lot of excitement out of the uh, college football season, I think. So if you just know it's always going to be Alabama and Clemson playing whatever other uh, teams that have a reputation that they, you know, the college football committee might think have a chance against those teams. Um, Yeah. That's the part that bugs me is I feel like it's based more on the reputation of these schools. That's why I said like maybe some of these current uh, people in the committee need to move on. Well, they they do rotate the committee every year. They have new, yeah, they have new people. Yeah. um, But that doesn't mean, but it's probably the same type. It's obviously the same type of people, like the same class of people are picking these teams every year. I mean, it definitely seems to be be a new demographic. It seems to be like the Supreme Court, essentially, where like obviously all the Supreme Court justices of today are different from the ones at the beginning, but they often go off previous 
rulings and experiences to justify what they do now. So it'll be different people, but probably probably a uh, same story in the future. But anyways, that's that's the news for a college football playoff. The games are set and we are ready to go. Um, there's a couple other just interesting notes of games that have been scheduled. BYU is going to the Boca Raton Bowl to play UCF. That'll be an interesting game um, on Tuesday. The, the University of Texas is playing Colorado in the Alamo Bowl, which I will be attending, I believe. Um, so that will be fun. And um, and then just Wait, the normal. Can we, can we just stop right there? You're actually attending a football game? Like a yeah. college football game? Yeah, college football game. It'll be my That's second crazy. One. I that is the crazy. BYU Western Kentucky game. Oh yeah. And then, I uh, forgot that that was the thing. Yeah, you'll have to tell me what it's like. I yeah. think I've forgotten. <laughs> yep, I'll let you know. I'll give you a detailed update of that game. Hopefully, unless they lose, and I'll be really sad and not do that. But, um, anyways, so those are a couple notable games. Uh, Jordan and I have decided we're going to go through now and, um look at all the bowl games that have been decided and make our picks, make our selections. Um, do you have your list up there, Jordan, of the bowl games? I do. Okay. So we're, are we going to start from kind of build up to the national championship? You know, we'll start at the, the bowl games that are happening earlier um, in the bowl season and then work our way up there. Is that what you're thinking? Yep. yep that's my plan. Okay. Sounds right. good. And so, so the winner of this, um, wager of the record. We'll keep track of the records of who gets how many of the games right and who gets them wrong to see who knows what they're doing and who doesn't know what they're doing. Um, and the winner on a later podcast will get a chance to ask the loser any five questions that they want. And the loser is required to answer them on our podcast now, within reason. Within reason. Yeah. See, what, what do you see? Brady already knows he's going to lose, so he's just trying to set up this uh, stipulation of within reason, and then he's going to pull it out whenever I ask him a question, and he'll say it's not within reason. Hey, I need to be more specific. What does within reason mean? Urban planning is a little bit of politics, so like I'm just covering all my bases here. Um, it's okay. really more for you. You should be thankful that I'm being kind to you. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not worried. I mean, we also, not, not just that worried if you're going to lose or not, we all know you have a lot more skeletons in the closet than me. So yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. We'll find that out soon. Okay. Okay. Anyways. Um, the first one I have here is the Myrtle beach bowl is Appalachian state and North Texas. Who you got there? I'm going to go with Appalachian State. I, I watched them play against Coastal Carolina this year, and they gave them a game. It was pretty good, and I have to believe that Coastal Carolina is decent because they beat BYU. So, <laughs> so yeah, I'm going to go with Appalachian State. Who do you got? Yeah, I'm taking App State, too. Um, yeah. North Texas isn't very good this year, and they're usually not good in any weights, but especially not this year. So, App State. Uh, next game is the Potato Bowl. Idaho Potato Bowl. This is your this is your uh, Super Bowl. Yeah, one. my my hometown bowl game. Yeah, um, is Tulane at six and five versus Nevada at six and two? Yeah, I'm gonna go with Nevada on this one. The Wolfpack. Okay. Yep. 
What about you? I'm picking Tulane. Uh, I've seen them play a couple times this year, and um, they usually they've, they've given some uh, better teams in their conference a run for their money, so I'll take Tulane. Uh, the Boca Raton Bowl, UCF versus BYU. Who you got? I mean, I can't not pick BYU. But I honestly think they're they're a better team because I I still believe that BYU should have beat Coastal Carolina and Coastal Carolina in turn beat UCF. So that's my that's my logic going through my head. So I have faith in, in the Cougars that they will pull this one out. This one's rough because I should pick BYU because you already picked BYU, so I don't lose anything by being a homer. But they're playing in Florida. BYU sucks on the East Coast. They never win on the East Coast, as seen by the Coastal Carolina game. They lost to USF last year. And I think they're better than UCF, but do I actually trust that they're going to win? That's the question. I think so. I think I'm going to take BYU. <laughs> I'll take them. I don't lose anything because you already took them. So. Yeah. Plus, like, you'll, you'll regret it if you don't take them. Then you'll yeah, feel bad on the inside, I think. I would, at least. And I'll feel bad watching it, too, because if I pick UCF, I'll be secretly wanting UCF to win, and I don't want to do that. So I'll pick BYU. Um, next one is New Orleans Bowl is Louisiana Tech at 5-4 and four, and Georgia Southern at 7-5. Okay, so for this one, I have no basis for either of these teams. I've not watched either of them play. Well, you have yeah. watched one of them play. I don't even know what conferences they're in. LaTeX huh? played BYU, so you have seen them play. I haven't. I didn't watch that game. Oh, that's sad. So, you hate BYU? You don't care about your own water? No, I do. I just didn't watch that game. I, I kind of... All the cupcakes that they were playing towards the beginning of the season, they all kind of like blur together. together to me. So I ended up not watching some of them. But um, I'm going to go with Law Tech. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, I spent the last couple summers in Louisiana and we like it. So I'll take Law Tech as well. That's my uh, expert opinion there. So you've taken a lot of time to research these teams. Um, <laughs> The next one is the Montgomery Bowl with Memphis and Florida Atlantic. Um, do you have the records in front of you for both of those teams? Memphis is seven and three, and Florida Atlantic is five and three. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Memphis because I yeah, like I said, I feel like their conference has been stronger than even like some of the Power Five conferences, like the Big Ten and the Pac-12 this year. So. Based on that, I feel like they'll do better. Man, I'm picking so many of the same games as you. I like and putting a lot of weight on Tulane beating uh, Nevada. I know, yeah, that's but, the big deciding factor. Well, I man, think you should Memphis go is, FAU here then. No, I think Memphis is better though, so I'm gonna take Memphis in this game as well. Here, I'll they ask you well. some of the bowl games so you can go first. So then you can just stop copying me, because uh, obviously that's what you're doing. You're like. Just copying me because you think I know what I'm doing. Yep, that's right. I don't have any of my own opinions, as you can tell. Yeah, I'm sure that's what it is. Okay, so we have the next one is the New Mexico Bowl. Yep. Um, Houston at Hawaii. Who do you have for that game? Yeah, this one's right at my heart. Actually, it's not because I don't really care about Houston, but I like Hawaii because Hawaii's awesome. Shout out to uh, my brothers and sisters in Hawaii, so I'm going with them. All right. 
Yeah, I'm going to go with Houston on this one. Because uh, when they played BYU this year, I was pretty impressed with their their um, their defense. Like their secondary did really did a really good job, and it wasn't in towards the end of that until towards the end of that game that Zach Wilson was able to really find his rhythm. Um, and then also, I feel like their their run offense was just really good. It was hard to hard to stop. So didn't Zach Wilson throw there. for like 400 yards that game? Did he? <laughs> I think so. Anyways, that's fine. Good job. Pick, yeah, pick Houston. That's good. What's next? Okay. We'll see who's laughing in the end. <laughs> okay. And then for the Camellia Bowl, we have Buffalo and uh, Marshall. Uh, who do you have for that game? Uh, I'll take Marshall. Yeah, I'm going to take Marshall too. Um, I think Marshall, they just have one loss, don't they? They have two. They've lost they the last – they were 7-0. They lost the last two games. Um, oh, the last two games. And it seems like both of those games, like their their quarterback, who's been pretty good for most this season, just just had some really rough games. Like yeah, he threw five interceptions in the last game. So yeah. hopefully he'll be in a better form for the bowl game. And that's so that's my my pick yeah. there. He's had a really rough stretch, but um, I think they're they have a couple weeks break, and that'll help them, or at least a week break. And uh, Buffalo has a that really good running back who ran for a million yards the other few weeks ago, ran for like 400 yards, but I don't think they have very much else, to be honest. So I'll take Marshall on that one. Okay. All right, and the next one is the Cure Bowl, and that's Coastal Carolina versus Liberty. What do you have there? Man, uh, do you know if Liberty's quarterback is healthy? Didn't he get hurt? Um, I don't. Man, I think I'm going to take Coastal Carolina because I think their quarterback got hurt. I don't know if he's going to be playing in that game or not. So just to be safe, if, if he was playing, I might take Liberty because I think Coastal Carolina is one of those teams if you have a couple weeks to prepare for them and they're kind of weird offense, I think that would be really beneficial. Um, but if they don't have their starting quarterback, I'm taking Coastal Carolina. Yeah, I'm going to take Coastal Carolina too. Um, just because I, I feel like I have to believe that they're good because they beat BYU. Okay, so the next bowl is the Gasparilla Bowl. I have no idea if that's how you say that. I think that's so. How you say that? I think so. There's a lot of bowls in here that are made up like. I've never heard of them before. The Camellia Bowl and the Montgomery Bowl. All these are Myrtle Beach Bowl. These are all new. They keep changing. These are just ones that have been bought out, I guess. Yeah, they're, I'm sure renamed. they're the same ones, but they're just renamed, which I don't like. Yeah. But that's how it goes. Anyways, UAB. Anyways, for the Gasparilla Bowl, got South Carolina and UAB. Man, um, that one's pretty rough. I can't say I've watched UAB play, but I know South Carolina is garbage. Um, I still will go with them, though, just out of – I don't know anything about UAB, and I can't trust a group of five team that I don't know anything about. So I'll go with South Carolina. Yeah, I have to go with South Carolina, too. <laughs> yeah, there's just no way. There's no way. Yeah, I guess you do have to – I feel bad because I'm like – I'm doing the <laughs> almost the same thing that the college football playoff – committee is doing they're like <laughs> giving preference to the sec teams but yeah but they're supposed to watch i don't have to watch uab play 
Yeah, but also UAB is six and three in Conference USA, so maybe if they yeah, have a little bit better record. USA. Huh? USA is not good. So no. Yeah. No, not really. So so yeah, I'm gonna go with South Carolina as well. Okay. Um, next one is the first responder bowl, and that's Louisiana and UTSA. This is a good matchup, I think, between these two teams. They're they're both pretty good. UTS UTSA has gotten a lot better. Um, they showed they were pretty decent hanging with BYU earlier in the season. Um, and they've they've won a lot more games towards the end of the season than the beginning. But uh, I've watched uh, Louisiana Lafayette play a few times, and uh, they're they're the real deal. Um, so I'm going to take them, taking the Raging Cajuns. And I was in Lafayette last summer, so same. Man, I'm surprised you're going against all the Texas teams so far. Yeah, well, there's a lot of them. Doesn't mean they're all good. That's true. You know what? I'm going to go with UTC. UTSA on this one just to mix things up a little bit and I did watch them play against BYU so I at least know they're somewhat good so yeah that would be an interesting game uh, to watch yeah I think that, that should be close yeah okay all right do you want to switch it up again you can read off the next poll getting tired yeah it's exhausting okay uh lending tree bowl is western Kentucky Georgia State Western Kentucky is five and six. Georgia State is five and four. Good luck. It's funny. It's just like all these teams that have previously played BYU. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, I think they're good because we're good. On the contrary, <laughs> I watched them play. I'm like, oh, they're not good. But yeah, Georgia State's not good either. So I have not seen Georgia State play at all. I think I'll go with Western Kentucky, the Hilltoppers. Okay, yeah, my wife's from Kentucky, and we drove through Western Kentucky on our way, Bowling Green, Kentucky, on our way to Tyler, so Western Kentucky it is. And they have a cool mascot. Um, the next one, sorry, I forgot I was doing this. Cheez-It Bowl, um, number 18, Miami, at 8-2, and two versus number 21, Oklahoma State, at 7-3. and three. Who you got in this one? Um, yeah, this is difficult. The games that I watched of Miami this year, I I was pretty disappointed with. Like, I did not feel that they were as good as their ranking was showing. And But I, Oklahoma State has been good. Like, the games that I did watch them, they played really well. However, they ha had some letdown games, obviously. Um, I'm going to go with Oklahoma State in this one, I think. Man, um, I was originally going to pick Oklahoma State, but I believe their star running back has opted out for the season. So he's not playing. Um, I think I'm going to take Miami. I think Oklahoma State is better, but I think I'm taking Miami in this one. Mm, you should have told me that before I made my pick. Yeah, well, there's advantages to going first. Darn. Um, okay. Well, second, I guess. And the next one is the Alamo Bowl, Texas at 6-3 and three and Colorado at 4-1. and one. Careful here. I mean, I'm going to go with Texas. And part of that is because, like, the Pac-12, I just don't think the Pac-12 is good at all this year, so. Yep, Colorado's awful. They're in the Pac-12. Um, Texas used to beat Colorado like a drum when I was little in the Big 12, and they've left, and they haven't been any better there, so I'll take Texas to win by three touchdowns, at least. Ooh, three touchdowns even. Yeah. yeah that, that Wait, what happens if, you, if they don't win by three touchdowns? Do I 
get the point and then you don't? No. I'm just oh. giving some extra okay. emphasis to my okay. thing there. Do you want to wager on? Okay, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> Next game is Duke's Mayo Bowl. Uh, another made-up bowl between Wake Forest and Wisconsin. Wake Forest is 4-4, four and four, Wisconsin is 3-3. Three and three. This is another hard one because I haven't been particularly impressed with either of these teams. I think I'm going to go with Wake Forest, though. They gave North Carolina a pretty good game, and yeah. they kept up with North Carolina's offense, which is something to be impressed by because they're just crazy. So I'm going to go with Wake Forest. Yep, I'm also going with Wake Forest because I don't trust Wisconsin's offense pretty much. I know their defense is okay, but um, Wake Forest has a pretty decent, pretty decent offense, and I think they'll if it becomes any kind of scoring battle, um, Wisconsin will be in trouble um, in that one. Um, next game is Music City Bowl between Missouri at five and five and Iowa at six and two. Man, this is hard, too. I haven't seen Missouri play at all. I'm going to go with Iowa, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I might be applying to the University of Iowa, actually, for graduate school. So I'll give them a bit of faith and pick Iowa as well. Next game is the Cotton Bowl. We're into, well, not all the way into, but this will be our first uh, year six bowl. Is Maybe the most interesting one as well is number six, Oklahoma, versus number seven, Florida. Um, I think I'm going to go with Florida on this one just because I haven't been super impressed with Oklahoma and Florida has had some like disappointing losses like the loss to LSU but they almost you know they got as close as anyone has gotten to beating Alabama which I feel like it gives them a leg up yep it's uh, 634 and OU still sucks so I'll pick Florida uh, this will kind of come down between a quarterback battle, and I don't think um, I, I, I think Florida's quarterback is just his experience and uh, in these kind of situations and, and performance this year, especially with Kyle Pitts. As long as they don't opt out, um, I think Florida will win this, but it'll be pretty close. Oklahoma has a lot of talent on defense and their skill positions as usual. I bet that's going to be a shootout, like yeah, probably similar to the score of the Alabama-Florida game. Yeah, that will be definitely a fun game. You can mark that on your calendar uh, to watch. That will be a fun one. The Armed Forces Bowl is Mississippi State, who's 3-7 and seven versus, I don't know who they're playing. Do you know who they're playing? Uh, Tulsa. Okay, it's not listed on my thing. Anyways, they're playing Tulsa. Yeah. You got, I feel like this one's pretty easy, but. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Tulsa. Yeah. They looked yeah. pretty good. Yeah, Mississippi State has not been good in Mike Leach's first year. Usually it takes him a little bit of time to get his people in his air raid system situated, and you know, they have not been good this year, so I'll take Tulsa. Uh, Next one is the Arizona Bowl. Ball State at 6-1 versus number 22, San Jose State, who is 7-0, beat Boise State in the, to win the Mountain West uh, Conference Championship yesterday. Yeah, I'm going to go with San Jose State here. Yep. Well. I believe in the Mountain West a little bit more. Yep, I agree. And they look pretty good. I watched that game last yesterday. Uh, oh, yeah. Boise State had their starting quarterback back in that game in San Jose State. San Jose State kind of controlled that game. They were ahead pretty handily most of that game. Um, 
The next one is the Liberty Bowl, West Virginia at five and four versus Tennessee, who's three and seven. You got. Um, I'm gonna go with West Virginia here, just because. Yeah, I I have watched Tennessee for a few games, and it's hard because their level of competition has been pretty high, but they just have not looked very good. So yeah, Tennessee stinks. They're pretty awful. West Virginia is not great either, but they at least have a solid defense. They have the Stills brothers at defensive tackle and uh, some linebackers who are pretty good. So I trust their defense. Their offense isn't great, but defense is pretty good. So I'll take West Virginia. Texas Bowl is Arkansas versus TCU. Um, Arkansas is three and seven and TCU is six and four. Real quick, how does a three and seven team get it in a bowl game? They've just, it's been just COVID things. They've, they've dropped all the requirements. Yeah. There's several things on here. Yeah. And okay. Seven. Anyways. Yeah. That just kind of blows my mind. I think I'm definitely going to pick TCU. Okay. Just based on that. <laughs> yep. I'll also take TCU as well. I got like all the same games. I know. Seriously. Um. Next one is the Peach Bowl, which is one of maybe the other most interesting uh, New Year's Six Bowl is number eight Cincinnati at nine and zero versus number nine Georgia at seven and two. Who you got? Yeah, I gotta go. I mean, with all my um, support for Cincinnati even making it into the College Football Playoff, I have to choose them in this game because I have yeah, to yeah. feel like I deserve that they make it to the college yep. football playoff. So yeah, yep. we don't really have a choice. <laughs> like even if we thought Georgia would win this game, which I don't think they will, but yeah, we can't not pick Cincinnati after our previous discussion. I know exactly. <laughs> uh, next game is the Citrus Bowl, Auburn at six and four versus Northwestern number 14 at six and two. Yeah, I'm going with Auburn here. I just cause yeah, like we saw in the big 12, a uh, big 10 championship game. Northwestern's offense looks really bad. So, yeah, going to go with Auburn. All right, and the Rose Bowl is number one Alabama versus number four Notre Dame. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Alabama here. I just can't not pick them. Yeah, I think Alabama's the best team in the country. Um, so I will take them. I think they have, they have three separate Heisman Trophy candidates. On offense, I know, that's so. insane. Yeah. Is it Devontae uh, Smith? Uh, and then Najee Harris and Mac Najee Jones. Harris. Yeah. And their other wide receiver who broke his ankle or whatever earlier in the season. He's actually yeah, the best wide receiver. Uh, Which yeah. he might be back for. He, well, he might. I didn't know if he, I thought he was out for the season. They're saying there's a possibility that he might come back for the college football okay. playoffs. So. Yeah. Yeah. So if he had stayed healthy, they'd have, they could have the entire. A New York room of Heisman candidates be from Alabama, so I think they're going to win this year. But they'll definitely beat Notre Dame. Uh, and then the Sugar Bowl, number two Clemson versus number three Ohio State. Yeah. Yeah, I'm definitely going to pick Clemson here again. After all the um, the trash talk I just said about Ohio State, I can't I can't pick them obviously. Yep. Yeah, I will also take Clemson. There's a few other ones here um, that. Or listed uh, the Gator Bowl is North Carolina State at eight and three versus Kentucky at six and four. Um, I'm gonna go with NC State. 
Yep, me too. Taking NC State. Cheater. Um, okay, Jordan, go ahead. You do the rest of the. <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right, yeah, I'll do. I'll do the other ones. Okay. The we also have the Outback Bowl, Ole Miss and Indiana. Yeah, I'll take Indiana. I think I'll take Ole Miss. Okay. Good. Just gonna switch things up there. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Be yourself, Jordan. You pick whoever you want. Let's watch. Ole Miss is gonna win. I'm gonna be sad. Okay. Um, and then the Fiesta Bowl. You have Oregon versus Iowa State. Um, yeah, Oregon's not good. They lost to Cal and to Oregon State, both of which are not good by themselves. Iowa State is solid. They're not. They're that second tier. Like they're not. They're not amazing, but they're solid. Good with their bunch of their tight ends and Brock Purdy, experienced quarterback, and um, they have the defensive player of the year in the Big Twelve at linebacker. I'm taking Iowa State. Yeah, I'm going to take Iowa State, too. Um, okay, then we have the Orange Bowl, which is Texas A&M versus North Carolina. Yeah, this one's – this is – oh, man, there's a few good matchups because this one's really good as well. Um, A&M is more solid. They're more, more well-rounded. But, like I said before, A&M doesn't win anything of worth – in their history, they don't win anything of value. So, Mac Brown does, and I'll take North Carolina. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna take take Texas A&M here, um, just because I feel like their defense has been a lot more consistent throughout the season. Because that's the thing is, North Carolina can go out and score 40 points on offense, but if their defense can't hold the other teams to that many points, they're not going to win. So, uh, that's the thing. If, if it becomes a, a scoring battle, if it becomes who's going to get to 40 first, North Carolina's going to win that game. Because Texas yeah. A&M, Texas A&M, they're good, better on defense for sure, but they're also inconsistent on offense. They only had 20 points against LSU. They've been close in some other games because Kellen Mond is super inconsistent. Sometimes he looks really good. Sometimes he's been pretty awful and pedestrian. Um, so... I'm gonna I'm gonna go out and say North Carolina is gonna play well on offense, be able to run the ball and uh, get it done. Texas A&M. All right. And then the national right, championship. I think we're just left with the national championship. Yeah. Yeah. Bama Clemson. Um, I'm taking Bama. I said that earlier. Yep. Roll Tide. I'm not saying that, but <laughs> I'm saying I'm, I'm still taking Alabama. That's it. How do you feel about all those picks? I feel like we had too many of the same picks. Like, how many <laughs> games do you think we had different? Five or six? Yeah, or do you have them all written down? Yeah, I wrote all mine down. Did you write yours down? Well, it's recorded. I'll go back and... <laughs> Jordan. Okay. I'll um, go back and see yeah, it. But I bet much... it's, like, only five or six games that are, like, different. Yeah, pretty much we're going to um, win or lose based on... Tulane and Indiana and um, that's probably it. Miami, maybe, and the uh, Texas A&M North Carolina North Carolina game. There's only a few of that whole list that we took forever to do. 
I don't know yeah. if that sounded good on the podcast. I don't know if anyone will enjoy listening to that, but I thought it was fun. And you'll enjoy listening to Jordan um, answer five uncomfortable questions in a few weeks as well. So. Yeah, that won't happen. Um, but this is going to be great because now I'm actually going to watch the Idaho Potato Bowl. And it's going to be, yeah, Tulane versus Nevada. Yeah, yeah we'll be watching. Be a lot of, there's a lot of weight on that game. I don't think anyone knows. Yeah, I might not finish my graduate school applications. I mean, Sarah, Sarah will be telling me, Bray, what are you doing? I'll just be, I have to watch App State play and, and Western Kentucky. They're really important. <laughs> yep. This is a good strategy. We're going to have to do this more often just so I have, like, an excuse to watch sports without, like, feeling without bad. Without feeling bad? Yeah. I'm like, oh, I have to for the podcast. I have to do this. Like that's really why we're doing this that's the whole yeah, purpose that's right um well anyways thank you for listening um that was probably the last time you'll hear our banter about ohio state and cincinnati and those things that we've talked about on a few of our other podcasts so you're probably all happy about that um but we have enjoyed the uh college football regular season and um are looking forward to the bowl games and the playoff um, and that's about it for this segment, and we'll see you on the other side. And we're back. Um, so for this next segment of our uh, the episode of the Provo Pick and Roll podcast, we just wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about the BYU basketball season, how it's going, the recent developments, and uh, kind of a schedule preview. Um, for their upcoming games and leading into the, uh, the conference um, part of the season. Um, and then to finish up, we wanted to um, talk about some of our favorite Christmas songs and, and movies, maybe give like a top five list of both of those. So yeah, to start out. Um, so recently this last week, BYU played both Utah and San Diego state and was able to pull out wins in both of those games. So yeah. How do you feel like um, the Cougars are doing so far this season? They're, I haven't fully discerned my thoughts on this team because if you look at their schedule, they're seven and two. They've got a couple of good wins now with beating Utah, beating Utah State, beating San Diego State. Um, so they have some quality wins. The only losses they have are to USC and, um, and um, Boise State. And Boise State, both of whom are solid. They're good, solid, respectable losses. So they've done what they've needed to do. And some people have stepped up, like Alex Barcelo has looked really good. He's been really impressive most of this year. Um, they still aren't where I think they can be. Um, they they haven't reached their, their pinnacle, um, their ceiling for this team. Um, so I'm not fully satisfied with them yet, but they have performed admirably so far. They're, they've done well through this non-conference. Um, schedule. Yeah, I will say these last few games have been um, promising for me to see because I can start to see the players on the team feel their roles. Because um, before, I feel like the beginning of the season, it was hard because there were so many new faces coming in. It was hard to really identify, you know, wherever everyone needed to be on the floor and kind of who was kind of the main scoring options and, and things like that but I feel like the players are starting to learn more how to play with each other and um, play together as a team to a better degree. I feel like the, the main person that I'm looking forward to 
really fitting into their role a little bit more as Caleb Lohner because I feel like he's still um, every once in a while he forces tough shots that he doesn't really need to take, which I believe he can make, but is maybe just not the best part thing for him to do to fill his role right now. Like I feel like his role should be, you know, he's a really good defender. He has that length and athleticism and speed to, to really guard anyone that they need him to on the floor. And then he also can just um, rebound like crazy. He's a really good he's, rebounder. He's a really good rebounder. So, so yeah. So I'm, I'm excited for, for, for that aspect to just, and it's just kind of fun as well to see all these players kind of just coming together and learning how to play with one another. Yeah. They're definitely learning how to play and they're having their moments. Um, still not consistent enough for me. Like I, I don't even know who's really good, honestly, on this team. Like Barcelo has consistently been good. Arms has consistently been okay. And then everyone else is kind of like Jekyll and Hyde, like one game. Um, Connor Harding will go off and have 15 points. And then the next game he'll go over six. And then Harvard will one game be completely awful and turn the ball over and have five fouls. And the next game he'll shoot a hundred percent from the field and have like 15 points and a million rebounds. Like, I just don't know. They're very inconsistent, so it's hard for me to judge what I'm watching so far. Um, but the results have been mostly positive so far. So, what do you think so far, I guess, specifically? Um, we'll start with the win over Utah. They win this game 82-64 to 64, um, at home and redeem the loss they had last year on the road in overtime against Utah. Um, what were your thoughts about that game specifically? Yeah, that game was uh, good to see because BYU was really in control for the entire game from the get-go. And, yeah, it was hard to see last year because I feel like last year BYU definitely should have won that game as well, but then they just kind of slipped up towards the end, and then there was the late-game heroics from the really short player on, from Utah that ended up helping them win the game. Yeah, but, Jones. Um, but, yeah, I feel like, I feel like they were um, – like that was a good consistent performance. Like you said, that's the thing that they've been struggling with so far this season. But the game against Utah, I feel like they played very consistent. And they, um, that's why they were able to um, come out to that early lead and really sustain it throughout the game. Yeah, they shot the ball really well. They shot 55% from the floor, 39% from three, and 91% at the free throw line. Um, Connor Harding was four for four from three. My, or, sorry, I'm looking at, I looked at the wrong stat there. Um, Connor Harding hit a three. Barcelo was one for two. Um, Spencer Johnson was four for eight. He was he made a big difference coming off the bench with 15 point or 16 points. So they shot the ball pretty well. If this team shoots the ball well, um, they can beat a lot of people. And they're very highly dependent on their outside shooting to open up everything else. Um, but they did that in this game. Had open shots and hit them. Um, and, yeah, they looked really impressive against Utah. Yeah, I think something for uh, BYU going forward that can, you know, help them is the thing that they've been struggling with is getting off to a good start, which part of that is due to, you know, is due to how reliant they are on the three-point shot because a lot of times it takes players like, you know, they have to get into the rhythm of the offense before they um, can consistently hit the outside shots. So that's something that I'm looking for BYU to do you know, hopefully in these next few games leading up to the uh, to conference play is that they can get off to those fast starts by, you know, running some maybe set plays that are getting um, good looks for players in the flow of the offense, maybe, you know, not on the three-point line just so that the players can get warmed up so that they're yep. 
ready to go when those three-point opportunities present themselves. Yeah, they can if they're able to get some easy baskets, get some layups, be able to see the ball go through the hoop. Um, as you know, as a point guard, like that exponentially helps you um, build confidence and and shoot uh, well and form well on offense for the rest of the game. So yeah, if they could start off with some kind of inside presence or, or have some set plays to get some easy buckets for especially those role players who have been so inconsistent, if you can get them easy shots to start off the game, um, that makes a big difference. Another thing in this game against Utah, um, not just they didn't just outshoot Utah, but they they destroyed Utah on the boards. They they had um, 44 total rebounds compared to Utah's only 28 um, rebounds in this game, and they had BYU had 21 assists compared to Utah's 11. 21 assists is quite a bit for this team, so they moved the ball really well, and um, that created open shots, which they they took care of. Um, yeah, that was an impressive victory, and just it's nice to beat Utah at any anything at any time. That's always uh, that's always happy. Yeah, I'm glad that they were able to pull off the win since we're being robbed of our win in football against Utah this year, not even getting yeah. the chance to play them. Yep. So, but and then yeah, looking at their game against San Diego State, they played really well too. Again, they were pretty consistent throughout this game. They jumped out to a 15-point lead in the first half and really sustained that through most of the second half. It was only until about four or five minutes left in the game that San Diego State was able to make a run and, and make it close again. So, so yeah, that is promising to see as well. And then also they were able to – it's also good to see them weather a storm like that because when San Diego State did go on their run towards the end of the game, you know, every, they were just kind of clicking on all cylinders, but – BYU didn't get flustered. They were composed and they were able to get some really good shots at the end of the game to uh, increase their lead again and pull out the win. So, Yeah, big performance from Alex Barcelo, 7 for 11, 22 points. Also had seven rebounds and seven assists, um, two for three from the three-point line. So he was really good as usual leading the team. And then some key shots, once again, from Spencer Johnson and Trevor Nell hit a couple three-pointers. Um, Averett, um had 10 points himself, Arms 10 points. So they, they had a pretty balanced attack and uh, not too many people other than Barcelo stood out, but they all played well. They did what they needed to do um, to win this game. Didn't shoot quite as well, but they were 15 of 16 from the three, free throw line, which that's a big deal. That, there was a couple games earlier in the season, especially with Harward, who has just missed a bunch of free throws. He didn't shoot any of this game against San Diego State, but They've had a little bit of surprising trouble at the free throw line um, in earlier in the season. But the last couple of games, they've hit all their free throws and they've won by substantial margins. What did you think about Mitchell for San Diego State? He went off for 35 points and really was the heart and soul of this team in this game, uh, shooting 12 for 17, hit five threes, um, and really kept them in it. What do you think from a BYU perspective about Mitchell's performance and how BYU handled him? Um, yeah, so Mitchell's style, he was really, like, he was a good all-around player, but he, he played a lot of bully ball, just kind of getting the ball down low and bumping people around and hitting little fadeaways and taking it to the basket. And he was, he was really effective at that. And so I, I will say I'm kind of concerned with how many points he was able to put up against BYU just because just looking forward to the season, Gonzaga has a lot of players like him that can just kind of go in there and 
get those kind of buckets. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we do come up against the Gonzaga, we're going to have to play a better defense than we did on, on Mitchell. Um, so if we're going to have a hope of, of, of beating them. So yeah, once yeah, again, overall, game, he looked pretty good. Yeah, he, he was good. He was a problem. Um, and despite having some issues guarding him down low, BYU did once again dominate the boards. They had 40 rebounds, the San Diego State 26. Um, and 15 assists to San Diego State's 12. So those kind of stats um, um, were definitely made a difference in both of these games. One one thing to look at um, for future improvement is against Utah, they had either 18 or 19 total turnovers. In San Diego, San Diego State, they had 17 um, by the end of those games. So that's they definitely need to start taking care of the ball a little bit better. Um, and if they're able to clean that up and shoot, shoot well, continue to dominate the boards. This is a really good team um, that will um, make a push for the playoffs. Uh, now, looking at having these two wins and looking at where BYU sitting at 7-2 and two with conference play coming up, um, how do you feel about where this team is and their chances of getting into the big dance and their resume? What do they need to do? What do you expect, to, what do you expect them to do? So right now, what I expect from BYU is to be firmly entrenched in that number two spot in the WCC. Yeah. Um, uh, I feel like if things go um, kind of as they should throughout the season, if BYU plays as they should, they should get, you know, three cracks at Gonzaga. Um, and hopefully they're able to pull out at least one of those um, games for a win. Because um, And I, I feel like if they can do that, that's really what will bring the resume high enough to be able to um, make it potentially to the NCAA tournament. And I mean, obviously if one of those wins comes in the WCC tournament, then it's an automatic bid and that will really help them to get in. I feel like the, the other team actually that, I mean, St. Mary's is always a contender as well in the WCC, but however, I feel like they're not as strong this year. I think the other team that we actually need to watch out of, uh, for as BYU fans is Pepperdine. Um, they had, they've had some good games this season. They took UCLA into overtime. Um, they they narrowly lost to San Diego State. They only lost by five. So they're sitting at four and four right now, but I feel like they're a lot better than four and four. So, And we're playing them um, next week on Thursday, next Thursday. So well, that will be in a very interesting game to see how um, the WCC is shaping up for this season. I mean, Pepperdine has the – of all the teams in the WCC – they have, I'm looking at the standings right now, they have the second worst record. <laughs> I know. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're a lot better than their record is showing right now, though. Because, okay. like I said, they took UCLA into overtime, I mean, narrowly San, lost to San Diego State. That was a close game. Didn't San Francisco beat? Uh, Upper they, had, they had some good wins in San, San Francisco. They beat, uh, I'm looking it up right now, Virginia. San Francisco beat Virginia earlier in the year. And um, Santa Clara is sitting at six and zero. St. Mary's is eight and one, despite being not—I don't think they're quite as good as usual, but still, you know, a decent team to to battle BYU. So there's a little bit of competition for that second spot. But BYU, to meet expectations for me, I have the same expectations. They should be second in the conference. But after watching Gonzaga play a little bit, they beat Iowa um, that yesterday. Sometime this week, they played Iowa. And won pretty convincingly. And I thought Iowa, I, I still think Iowa is one of the best teams in the country, maybe top three. 
And uh, yeah, BYU is not beating Gonzaga this year. That's, yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> We're not I getting mean, You don't think deep. like, I mean, if just if you play it the same team three times, just yeah. the probabilities just help a little bit. And you never know, sometimes Gonzaga has, might have an off night or something like that. So I feel like there's still a potential, but yeah, mm-hmm. Gonzaga is definitely going to be a number one seed in the tournament this year, if not the number one overall seed. Yeah. So, yeah, because yeah. they they've yeah. looked really good. They've looked very impressive. I don't think B, I don't think BYU will be, be even very competitive against Gonzaga this year in their um, th- hopefully three games they get to play against them. But maybe not. They've been surprised before. Um, although BYU at home won't they probably won't even have a the normal Marriott rocking Marriott Center advantage they have in that game, which I think will negate. Uh, negate really much of a chance for them to compete with Gonzaga. But other than that, let's let's say for reality's sake, looking at the rest of their schedule, they play Gonzaga three times, they lose to Gonzaga three times. Um, and let's say they lose one conference game. They lose one conference game other than Gonzaga to like San Francisco or to Pepperdine or somebody. That would put them with six losses um do you think that's enough with their resume to um get themselves into the NCAA tournament I think it depends on whether or not that loss comes in the WCC tournament because if if they don't make it to the championship game in the WCC tournament I don't know if they're if they will be uh looked upon by the committee as good enough really to make it in but um, but provided that they do make it to the championship and um, and then they only have the one conference loss, I would think it would be would be good enough, especially with the reputation that that BYU, BYU was able to build up last year. Because um, I feel like a lot of people like thought that they would be you know maybe a four or five seed in the tournament last year. So hopefully hopefully that still is like lingering in people's minds and they'll give BYU the shot even if they don't end up getting the automatic bid through the WCC tournament. Yeah, I think these last couple of wins were big for BYU's resume. Um, they have a win on a neutral site against St. John's. They win at Utah State. Um, they win at home big against Utah and win at San Diego State pretty handily as well. Those are some substantial resume builders and probably the only ones they have left, to be honest, because I don't think they're going to beat Gonzaga. I guess you could say St. Mary's could, you know, those aren't bad wins Yeah. Um, historically. But um, those are really important for BYU um, for their chances to get in the tournament or those those wins they've just had and looked really good in. So I don't think they have a lot more room for error if they want to get in. I don't I don't think they can lose more than one conference game to anybody can anybody but Gonzaga. But um, if they take care of business, this will be a tournament team and be a dangerous tournament team considering their three point ability and size. So. Yeah, I think forward. the hard thing about this year is there's there's going to be like five or six teams from the Big 12 and then five or six teams from the Big 10 that I think are probably going to make it. So that's just really going to limit the number of spots that are available. Yeah, I mean, um, you're, tournament this year. you're looking at the Big 12, there's going to be a majority of the teams in the Big 12 make it. There might be seven. You got Kansas, Baylor, Texas, uh, West Virginia, Texas Tech. Oklahoma State, 
and um, yeah, they got a lot. And Oklahoma, all potential um, tournament teams. So yeah, there's there's not a lot of room there. But the Pac-12 might only get like one team because I don't know anyone who's good in the Pac-12. So yeah. Well, and then looking at the Big Ten, I could see Rutgers, Michigan, Northwestern, Illinois, Iowa, and Ohio State. I could see all of those teams getting into the tournament too. And even um, even Wisconsin. Yeah. Did you see Wisconsin blew out Louisville yesterday? Yeah. yeah, I don't know what that was. I wasn't watching that game. I just saw the score. I was like, wow. Yeah, that's... same here. But they obliterated them. Yeah. It was like 40 so, points or something like that, 45. Yeah. It's crazy. Also, I'm using to I'm used to Wisconsin teams scoring at like 50, 60 points and grinding it out yeah. mostly by playing really good defense. But yeah. they scored like 90 points that game. Yeah. So yeah. So again, going back to that, I guess like so that's like 14 or 15 spots. I mean, I somewhere in between 10 to 15 spots, I guess we'll say from just those two conferences alone, right there. So that's like almost a quarter of the field for the NCAA tournament. Yeah, you're not even talking about the ACC, which usually has the most teams. So yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good teams this year in college basketball. It's been pretty fun to watch so far. So hopefully BYU um, continues to improve and finds their their in, the individuals find their uh, niche roles in the offense, and uh, it'll be fun to watch the rest of the year. Yeah, I agree. All right, so to kind of switch gears a little bit here, we just wanted to. Since it is the Christmas season, we wanted to spend a little bit of time just going through some of the things that really just help us to have the Christmas spirit um, in our lives around this time of year. So we both uh, thought about what are some of what some of our favorite songs are for Christmas and also our favorite movies. So I think we'll start out with songs first. And we'll do like our top five. I'm sure you, I'm sure you guys are all just like so happy with all the top five lists that we're doing you're just anticipating this but it's just kind of a fun thing to do and makes it makes for fun discussion sometimes you so. can't you can't get this kind of creative activity anywhere else you'll never hear any other top five lists <laughs> on any of your other podcasts or radio so we're trying to be innovative here and change it up we're doing two top five in one segment so yeah that's, that's so the, this is the next level up yeah Okay, so do you want to start off with your um, top five Christmas songs, Brady? Okay, top five Christmas songs. Um, number one is, actually, I'll start with number five. It's more fun to go down. So number five uh, is Polaie, which is Hawaiian for Silent Night. So the song Silent Night, sung in Hawaiian, um, is my number five. It's just something that I, they, uh, sing in Hawaii, and I enjoyed listening to that when I was there. Number four is We Three Kings of Orientar. It's a classic, especially from uh, Harry Connick Jr.'s um, instrumental version. If you go listen to that one, that one's very good. Number three is The First Noel. It's one of my favorite Christmas hymns, uh, the Bing Crosby version specifically I enjoy. Number two is Oh Holy Night. Um, classic. I feel like Oh Holy Night is like a test of if you can sing well or not. If you can sing Oh Holy Night well, you're a good singer. If you can't, then you're just a normal person. So 
I really like that one. That one's really powerful to hear in person from someone who's really talented. Um, and number one is an underrated song you don't hear very much, but I really enjoy it, is It Came Upon a Midnight Clear. That's my number one favorite Christmas song. Um, all, I've noticed when I did these, all of these are, are not like the fun ones. <laughs> I, I picked all of like hymn, traditional hymn, hymnal songs, but those are the ones I like, so yeah. That's good. No, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy all those songs too. Really like all the Christmas songs I like. That's why I kind of felt bad making this top five list because I feel like there's so many great Christmas songs that I didn't really give a shout out to. But It would have been better, honestly, or harder to say what are your least favorite Christmas songs. Exactly, yeah. Because, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is Santa Baby. That's That one's awful. Yeah. be high on my list. Um, or the Santa Buddy from Michael Buble. That one's even worse. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Any, yeah. <laughs> yeah, any version of that song is not good. Wait, that was on my top five. No, I'm just kidding. Or there's, I mean, <laughs> compared to last week's, so I figured it might be your Drake and Josh, Josh Love, but, or uh, what was it? The other one I was thinking, they had, they did like the whole redo of the, what was the song that got 2020'd? It got, um, canceled because it was um is it baby it's cold outside yeah yeah yeah. that's the one uh-huh. and then people did like super like awkward remakes of the song to try to make it like politically really? correct i don't know if they i've ever so heard bad. any of those remakes no you don't need to look them up they're awful but those okay. would probably be um top of my list of the ones i don't like but anyways what are your top five jordan okay so um, the fifth one is Baby, It's Cold Outside. So it's funny that you brought that up. Um, because, and yeah, I feel like a lot of people do have beef against this song because they feel like it's suggestive of date rape or something like that. But I don't feel like that's what this song is at all. And I actually looked up the history to this song. And it was originally written by uh, a man and his wife, like singing it together. And it's just, it was just meant to be like kind of a playful thing and like, you know, just like they want to be spending time with each other because it's cold outside and it's kind of like an excuse for that. All so, right. So Jordan is a defender of date rape. He's a misogynistic no, pig. That is not what I'm saying at all. You can I'm all come after that. him. Um, he loves songs like that. So Yeah, I, I'm probably going to get canceled now. Yeah, canceled because of this statement. I am not. I am. I don't like that song. So there you go. You don't? Yeah, it's okay. It's it's. I actually don't have anything against it, but it's like it's just got a fun tune. It's and fun. It's okay. I feel like yeah. it's playful as long as it's you playful. don't think of it in that in that way. So, which I don't, obviously. Okay, so that's number five. Number obvious. four, huh? I don't know if it's obvious, but that's fine. It should be. It should be. Okay. Number four is Oh Holy Night. Um, for me, and especially like the version that Celine Dion does. It's one that I grew up with, and it's just very beautiful. She's a great singer. So um, so there's that one. And then uh, Do They Know It's Christmas is number three. Hmm. Um, I really love that song, just like the whole message about, uh, you know, there's a lot of people struggling around the world, and during Christmas time, we can, like, take some time to just think about how, um, how fortunate we are to have all the things that we do have, and also think kind of outward of ways that we can serve and help other people that are struggling through this time. And yeah, there's a version of the song that just like a, a bunch of famous artists 
uh, came together to collaborate with, like Ed Sheeran, Coldplay, Bastille, and I just thought that was really, that's really cool. cool. That's, so that's number three. Uh, number two is the Christmas song, specifically the one from Hootie and the Blowfish. I don't know what? that song. Huh? Not Nat King Cole? No, I don't know. I like Hootie and the Blowfish. Hootie and the Blowfish? Do they I, have a Christmas album? Up, I don't know if they have an album. That's the only song they've, that I've heard from them that is like a Christmas song. But that's just the one that I heard uh, growing up. Interesting. I'll have to listen to that. My family would always listen to. So there's that. And then number one is the Little Drummer Boy. Um, Specifically, Josh Groban's version. Love that. Yeah, that one's good. It's fantastic. You should listen to, uh, there's a famous, kind of famous, Bing Crosby and David Bowie in like the 80s or whatever, before they both died. (laughs) I think David Bowie's dead. Anyways. Um, they did a little Little Drummer Boy duet. That's pretty cool. So you should look up little if that's your favorite song, Little Drummer Boy with Bing Crosby and David Bowie. It's a good one. All right, yeah. I'll definitely look that up. All right, moving on to favorite Christmas movies. What are your what are your top five, Brady? All right. This one's also hard to make a top five because there's a lot of good Christmas movies out there. Um so there are some that have been left off, but these are my top five that I've decided as of now. Number five is Charlie Brown Christmas, the Charlie Brown Christmas special. Um, the classic, um, probably the best of all the Charlie Brown um, shorts and specials and things. Very good. Um, number four is Holiday Inn. I don't know if you've seen that movie. It's has Bing Crosby in it. He's the star and also Fred Astaire, who's a famous uh, dancer. He also does some singing, but mostly a dancer. Very good movie. It's it's kind of a cheating Christmas movie because it's it's focused on Christmas and it's the first time that the song White Christmas was ever sung. So the success of Holiday Inn led to White Christmas, uh, which is more famous and popular. But Holiday Inn, very good movie. Um, I would recommend. Number three is the original How the Grinch Stole Christmas, um, the animated special on tv that's like 40 30 minutes long um the og one yeah, above OG. all the other versions yeah no that's definitely the actually i can't say it's definitely because i haven't seen the newest one that came out last year um uh i i've heard that one is pretty good from people but the original with the original um you're a mean one mr grinch and the narration of it is this very good it's very good christmas theme in movie um Number two is Miracle on 34th Street, the original version. Uh, classic. I think you said you're going to watch that tonight, maybe, right? Yep. Yeah, you should. It's a good one. I, that's my second favorite one. And number one is White Christmas. Um, what I mentioned earlier, the coming off of uh, following up holiday and different story, different characters, but um, is the inspiration of Holiday Inn, but that's a classic movie. That one's very good. Awesome. Yeah, I feel, I feel like, yeah, I, I definitely, I haven't seen some of those shows on, on your top five, so I'll have to go out and watch those so I can really evaluate where they line up on my top five, because I've heard they're really good. So, but anyways, my top five Christmas movies, so number five, where it's Home Alone, which mm. Like it's kind of a Christmas movie. Like it's not really yeah. totally focused on Christmas, but it's like set around Christmas time. So I figured it should count. It counts for sure. But 
yeah, I like that movie. It's fun. Number four is The Polar Express. Mm. I feel like a lot of people don't like this movie because it does have kind of a weird animation. But one of the songs or one of the uh, movies that I just grew up uh, watching and just always brings me the the Christmas spirit. And have have you read Have you read The Polar Express? Because it's based off a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, book, it's been a long time. When I was young, I read the book. Yeah, because the book is great. If you were looking for like a Christmas story for your kids or something, Polar Express is the way to go. It's a great book. The movie is looking back on it i didn't mind it when i first watched it but it's pretty creepy looking back on it with the animate some of the animation yeah. and some of the characters and stuff like i can't even watch it anymore well i think the thing is they tried to make the animation look like the book which was a mistake because it just did not translate very over well to the screen but i still i still really like it it's it just like is the epitome of like christmas magic you know, okay. that I, like, love to experience as a little kid. So I really like the story in the book, so, like, mm-hmm. I understand from that. Yeah. Cool. Anyway, so that's number four. Number three is How the Grinch Stole Christmas, um, the Jim Carrey version. So sure. that could be a sure whole did. other discussion, like, which Grinch is the best? Jordan, sure that movie's no. awful. It's so no, bad. No, it's not. It's so bad. It is not. It's great. I, I, it's, I enjoy it's, it. I find it to be disrespectful, because I like the... You know, disrespectful? It's super disrespectful. To the original Grinch? Yeah. I, I really liked it. I feel like Jim Carrey was born to be the Grinch. No. That was just like his... Not. I like Jim Carrey in his other roles, but, you know, he's awful. Anyways, well... You like the cat in the hat? No, I haven't seen we, that. No. I haven't seen it. Yeah. It looks weird, though. because like it it's also awful. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> moving on. Um, so my number two is Elf. Okay. Elf's just a classic. Yeah. I love Will Ferrell. And there's so many quotable scenes from that movie that yeah. I quote really all year round. So, yeah. Elf is really good. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm surprised I didn't make yours. Um, and then number one is A Christmas Story with Ralphie. Okay. That's You're going to shoot your eye out. Shoot your eye out, kid. It's a classic. I have a, uh, I have a what do you call it? The rifle? Oh, yeah, red, the Red Rider. Red Rider, I have one of those. Red I'm going to shot it like once. Again. I should pull that out, actually, this Christmas break. Did you shoot your eye out? No, I didn't. Oh, well, good job. You did better than Ralphie. <laughs> Thank you. So, and yeah. So that's, he didn't shoot his eye out either, but... Well, he kind of did. He broke his glasses, did. He remember? did break his glasses. Well, I have glasses, too, so I'm fine. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, so those are my top five. Yeah, those those movies really just bring me in the mood. I actually was watching How the Grinch Stole Christmas uh, this last week, and I noticed a few things that I hadn't noticed before uh, growing up when I was a kid. Did you? I don't, and I don't know if you really picked up on these things before. Maybe you did, but there's there's a scene, for example, where the Who's are all at a party, and they all put their keys in the bowl. And I never really understood that before, but now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, it's because they're going to get wasted and they shouldn't be driving home or something like that. <laughs> and then also towards the end of the movie, the Grinch just directly swears to Cindy Lou Who. And I never realized that before. And he's like, did you not know right it was a her. curse word? Or you huh? just didn't know, did you not know that that was a curse word that he used? Or I didn't, didn't know what he know said that? really there, I don't think. But no. Okay. And it was funny because I was watching it with my roommates and we had to rewind it because we're like, did he really just say that? I don't remember him saying that, but 
Yeah, it's definitely in there. So, but yeah, but that experience got me thinking about, you know, what are, what are some other movies that maybe a lot of us grew up watching as a kid and had a lot of like hidden adult jokes in there that we never noticed. Um, but now that we watch it when we're older or not as innocent. So I've come up with a few different movies that I've identified that do that. And so, and then, yeah, if there's any more that you can think of, you can mention those as well. But the first one that came to mind for me was Shrek, which maybe a lot of people have already noticed a lot of these things before, but I didn't notice them when I was younger. <laughs> but um, I mean, one of the first things is when Shrek and Donkey first go to Lord Farquaad's castle. Um, Shrek mentions that maybe the castle is so big because Lord Far Farquaad is compensating for something. <laughs> and I never understood like what, what that might mean. I thought it was like, maybe it's just because he's short. <laughs> but yeah, anyways. Did you know that Shrek recently was like, um, the Library of Congress picks, every year they pick like 20 films through history to like preserve in their, their like, their, like their records their records yeah and shrek was picked as one of the 20 movies to preserve um wow. this year so that's timely yeah i'm glad we're preserving that yeah, that's right honestly Hopefully. i really like shrek though so but <laughs> yeah there's definitely a few things also in shrek there's a few of the songs that are included in shrek they have a few different places where they make you think they're going to say one word but they just replace it with another word so the first one is the the Duloc song where it says keep your feet off the grass shine your shoes wipe your face yeah Wait, obviously what? it was going to say something else i don't get it but do you want me to do you want me to spell it out for you yeah no, yeah and then the other one was in the robin hood song he says i like an honest fight and a saucy little maid what he's basically saying is he likes to get paid <laughs> yeah <laughs> so never picked up on those before either so and, and and there's also other things from shrek like even the name lord farquad is like meant to sound like something not as nice but anyways so there's a there's a lot of different things with that movie in particular um some other movies that came to mind were like peter pan like, um, for example, when they um, have the encounters with the Native Americans, there's some uh, pretty bad racial stereotypes that I feel like they're um, insinuating there. And they also use the racial slur engine, which is not okay either. Um, and then I guess you could group Pocahontas in that too, which I feel like that's kind of more well-known, like, you yeah. know, those stereotypes that are kind of put forward in that movie too. Yeah. And then the other one that I thought of was able to find was uh, Toy Story. There's actually just like one specific thing from that movie. One of the toys is a fishing rod that has female legs on it. Uh -huh. So do you know what that's meant to be? Nope, you can explain it. No, it is a, a hooker. <laughs> that's right. I I've yeah. feel like Have you heard that one before? That. Yeah, I couldn't remember the... I couldn't remember the connection, but now that you said it, that's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, man, I watched Toy Story when I was, like, four, probably. <laughs> so, yeah, there was that joke in there. Yeah, anyways. So, yeah, hmm. those, are, those are some movies that I 
that identified that now when you watch those movies, you're never, never going to be able to watch them the same way again. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of the sign, not the sign, but it's, it seems to be a common sign of good kids movies is that they have funny adult themed jokes in them. Like Looney Tunes did that a lot actually way back in the day. And SpongeBob does that a lot. If you're able to like have little funny jokes that adults can understand and enjoy, like they can, they can enjoy the movie in a different way than the kids. That's like a really um, interesting way of people to make those kind of movies so everyone can watch them. Yeah, it makes it a little bit more interesting for the adults. Yeah. Is there any specific instances you can think of from SpongeBob that um, kind of more adult style humor that they included in there? Uh, I mean, not really. I mean, there's one where there's like a SpongeBob has a seahorse and Patrick thinks it's like a ride. Like it's like a, a ride and he can't figure out, he has a coin and he's like, I can't figure out where the slot is to ride the seahorse. <laughs> and then it like goes to a different, um, like a zoom out so you don't see it. And he's like, oh, I found it. And then he gets kicked by the seahorse and like flies out of the picture. <laughs> so you can just assume where it went. <laughs> nice. So, yeah, that was actually of... pretty funny. That was pretty funny even you just describing that. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, so there's lots of good things like that. They're not too bad. They're just... Yeah. yeah. Those little things. I feel like that's what I would do too. If I was making a kid's movie, I would put something in there like that. Just to, you know, spice things up a little bit. Keep it interesting. Keep it interesting. Yeah. But you got to do it in a, in a way that the like, little kids, little innocent Jordan doesn't know doesn't understand what your joke was yeah well even even in a way that they won't even notice that it's there you know that they won't even ask questions about it which which like all these movies that i mentioned like i feel like they they did that because i never really noticed those things before until i watched it when i was older so well i think that wraps up this episode we're glad that you were all able to to join us and again listen to our top five favorite things you're just the audience is just going to know everything about us now, like all our favorite things, which is good because hopefully they'll have great gift ideas to get us. Yeah. So that's fantastic. Yeah, and I like never this. thought of that before. That will be a great aspect of this whole thing. It's really going to pay off. So, but yeah, so thanks, thanks again for joining us and we hope we'll see you again next time. Yep. We would like to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and, um, grateful for your listening. Thank you.